Hey, everyone. So we just wrapped 100 episodes. Thank you again for all of the messages and the sharing and the celebration. Thank you so much to the team who edits and does the show notes and the images. And thank you also to the team who is doing some behind the scenes work to help us figure out who our listeners are and how we can get to more people like you. And thank you, especially, of course, to the BU Collective all of you who are listening and sharing this with your friends. And I never thanked my husband in the 100th episode. So I want to say thank you to my dear husband, TK, for all of his support. And he was right there with me in the very beginning. He recorded the first couple episodes with me and did all the editing himself until we found this company. So, all right, here we are. The first episode of this next chapter, the second half. Amy Edwards is a breath of fresh air. And like, I started to say a punch in the gut. That's not what she is. But she's punchy. She has this big energy. She's a badass. She's edgy. She's confronting. At the same time, she's super, super deep and super approachable and very feminine. So I discovered Amy through social media and I'm so grateful that she said that she would be on the BU podcast. So you're going to love this interview. Amy is, let me tell you a little bit about her. So she's 49. And I, I say that it's interesting because she certainly doesn't look 49. But I, I emphasize 49 because wait until you hear what she does and what her life looks like. And it didn't always look like this. And we talk about this in the episode, by the way. So Amy Edwards, 49 years old, is the host of one of my favorite podcasts, and it's called The Amy Edwards Show. She's also got a few other titles on her resume, rock musician, yes, rock musician, radio personality, author, actress, life coach, voiceover artist, and mom. Amy's music career has inspired her rocking life movement as she started playing at age 38 and didn't release her first album until she was 41. She now has five albums and numerous singles to her credit. And she's a transformative podcast host and coach helping others strengthen their voice in all sense of the word, achieve their goals and build habits to make their dreams reality. Amy is also the author of two books. She wrote a book called Starla and the Boogie Deluxe. And she also wrote The Trouble with Becoming a Witch. She works weekdays as an on-air personality at Austin 360 Radio. And she also happens to be a mother of two girls, ages 16 and 12. So this is a really fun interview, a fun conversation. Amy and I have a conversation. And at the very end, she lists her five ways to be you and grow at any age. This is so much fun. Put your seatbelt on. You're going to love Amy Edwards. And as always, like, subscribe, share with others, tag us on Instagram, and tell everybody how much you love Be You Podcast. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to Be You Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 
10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hey everyone. So this is a very, very special episode for all of us. And I was just sharing with our guest, Amy Edwards, that the reason it's so special besides the fact that she's with us is that we just aired our 100th episode. So in less than a year, we had 100 episodes and it's a really big deal. And our very first episode outside of that is with Amy. And Amy's been on my radar for probably about six months now. It's so funny how there are people out there that we aren't even aware of. And then they drop into our awareness and we're like, oh my God, how did I not know about this person? So I had never heard of Amy and someone highly recommended her show and her account to me. And, you know, you've heard me tell you about Amy, but I want to share with Amy here in front of you that the way you come across Amy, the way you land for me is that I know you know this about yourself. You know that you're like this badass. You've got strong energy, powerful energy. I'm sure people tell you that all the time. So that's not to be downplayed. That's amazing. And it comes with this this gentle, soft, very approachable energy too. Because many times, I actually did an episode on this, when women are really attractive, they're polarizing. But number two, if they're attractive and they're confident, they're extra polarizing. If they're attractive, confident, and have strong energy and unapologetically themselves, very polarizing. It's like the triple threat. And it's a great thing, but you and I both know that also causes women sometimes to pull away. Like, oh, well, she's so beautiful or she's she's also sexy. Oh, that's too much. So the thing I like about you so much, even though I don't know you yet, is that you have all those things. And one, I don't feel triggered because I've done work in and on myself, right? I would have been triggered by you in the past. But the other reason is because you clearly have such a spiritual connection because you have this really angelic, soft, gentle, I'm just going to say presence, but it's not you downplaying yourself to be received better. A lot of women do that, right? They downplay themselves to come across soft because they don't want to be too much for women, but that's not what you're doing. That's not how I receive you. So I can't wait to get into this conversation and learn more about you as I'm, you know, a new follower and a new listener of your show. And I know you want to talk about some really great stuff. So will you First, just introduce yourself to everybody and tell us about you. Yes. And I want to just say thank you so much for all that you said. That just makes me feel so good. It almost brings tears to my eyes because that is what I strive for and all I do. You know, I have real Amy Edwards as my, you know, handle on Instagram. And it's kind of, I started it kind of as a joke because nothing on social media is that real, you know? So it's kind of just a play on that, but I'm trying to be. And, you know, people can easily point fingers and be like, Oh, is she that real? Because I mean, like, I have fake boobs, I wear makeup, I have some extension, you know, <laughs> like, but so what? I want to just be my shiniest and it makes me feel good. So I say, do it. 
As for me personally, I am 49 years old and I have a podcast called The Amy Edwards Show, and it is about transforming life through pragmatic ways and bettering our habits and our mindsets in order to become our best selves every single day and just make those incremental shifts that move us toward being our best selves. And I learned all that and I do this because I've done it in my own life. I have two children. I have consistently transformed myself, probably most of all after my second child. I'm divorced twice. So that's a transformation in itself. If anyone's been through even a hard breakup, a big divorce, those are actually any divorce is big. You know, it's already inherent in the word, right? And around my late 30s, I started learning music with some friends who were like, let's just learn instruments. And it took on a life of its own. I started playing guitar and I started singing. And when that band fell apart, I had been doing that for three years just with them. We were trying to become a original band and the wheels kind of came off and it was, you know, five women, whatever. And uh, as it happens. And so I was like, well, I could keep doing this because it really pushes me out of my comfort zone. So I did. And I ended up writing and recording about five albums. And I learned so much about myself, my own voice, about failure, about success, about mindset, about the power that we have within ourselves. And I've always worked in radio as well and done a lot of voice work. And so I realized that my passion was using my voice in different ways to help people push through fear and go for it at any age, because 40 is not the normal time that you start a music career, and especially with two kids as a woman. Yeah. And so I just took it on and went where life was leading me and ended up transforming all the time and learning so much. And so uh, over the course of those years too, I've written two books, a novel called The Trouble with Becoming a Witch, and also a children's book called Starla and the Boogie Deluxe that I wrote a song with that goes with the book. Starla, the main character, wants to become a singer and she ends up you know, lying to her friends and to make up to them, she writes a song. And so my daughter sang the song and we recorded oh, wow. it. It's available for download with the book. Yeah. So all those projects and things are just different ways of using my voice. And that's been the interesting part is how do all these puzzle pieces of your life fit together? And that's part of the journey and part of the acceptance of maybe you don't know right now and that's okay. And then maybe suddenly you enter into a space where you're like, oh, I see something here. And I'm not saying this is the end all be all, but I understand that this is my purpose now. And so I use my voice to help others transform their lives. I see that as my mission and to help others strengthen their own voices in order to have a positive impact on not only themselves, but the world. Mm. When you started that, you got into that band. Isn't it crazy how there's no way you would have predicted (laughs) what you're doing now? It's like, right? No way. (laughs) So let's go back. What was the name of the band? I want to picture the band. We were called the Cover Girls. And we started out, I think there were 
six or seven of us at the beginning and they had already kind of settled into roles because I was pregnant when they started. They were like, instead of meeting for lunch, let's all meet and learn instruments together. And so they were meeting once a week and had an instructor come and he would just help them learn different instruments. And then they settled into roles and one girl was playing the guitar and she moved away. And so they said, will you join us now? And I said, I don't play guitar. And they were like, we don't care (laughs) because we all sucked. And so we just went in there and banged it out. So I started with electric guitar and we were playing things like, you know, hit me with your best shot. I love rock and roll, like eighties rock ladies, basically. It was really fun. And Bands around town learned pretty quick that the novelty of five women in Austin in their 40s or, or late 30s playing instruments could draw a pretty big crowd. Oh, yeah. People wanted to come see. Oh, yeah. And so we could pack in all of indoor stubs, which is a pretty big venue or wherever it was. We were playing pretty good venues. And so people would book us to open friends who had bands and things like that because it's everywhere here in Austin. And so it just ended up being really fun. And I felt like, okay, we have something to say. Let's become an original band. And I was not the singer at that time, but they kept pushing me to sing more. And that was a really hard growth for me because I had never sung in public. And I can remember having literal nervous breakdowns. Like, I don't think I can do this. I suck. Oh my God. And so I started taking voice lessons. And now, I mean, I take voice lessons still every week because it's such a crucial part of what I do, even in speaking. And so that has served me really well. And plus, I just got more confident to be able to sing whenever I need to. And it was a huge growing experience. And once we started to try to become an original band. That was when things kind of started to fall apart. A few of them are still together with a band, I think. We don't talk as much anymore. <laughs> but I ended up just going, okay, well, I'm just going to book some gigs and write some songs and see what happens. And it has been such a hard but wonderful journey. And I'm really, really proud of my last album in particular, which is called Magic. And I wrote a double album that is about transformation and about transforming anything in your life using your own magic and power. Mm. And it took me a year and a half to produce that and get it done. I co-produced it with AJ Vallejo. And Anyway, that was such a big project. And now I'm moving forward just into a new space. AJ and I are co-writing a musical. And so, you know, it's just been fun to to continue that creative outlet and just see how it develops. So I would encourage people. I kind of wrote down a few things I wanted to talk about today. And one of them was just embracing that beginner mentality. Because later in life, when we start new things... Well, you're 100 episodes in, so congratulations for that. I mean, you're past a beginner mentality, but you still had that setback. You know, you still had to own. Oh, 100%. Hey, I lost these interviews. It's humbling. You have to approach it in the most beautiful way you can and say, this happened for a reason. It's a learning experience. I'm going to approach it with humor. I'm going to be honest about it and I'm going to learn from it. Right. And we just have to go, okay, yeah, I'm doing this on my own. I'm at this age and I'm still learning. And there's so much beauty in that. We can admire that from other people, but sometimes for ourselves, we hold ourselves to this standard that, oh, not us. No, I better look like I know what I'm, what the fuck I'm doing. Can I cuss on this? I'm oh, absolutely. <laughs> I better know what the fuck I'm doing. And you know, you really don't have to. Just no. I read something the other day that said 
make messy progress. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, make messy progress. And you know what? You ended up probably doing six amazing solo episodes that you wouldn't have done. It pushed you in a new way. You made some messy progress. You owned it in a different way and probably grew a lot, you know, as a podcaster. Yes. And I'll tell you, Amy, because you've had a podcast, what, seven years or something like that around there? Yes. This is my third iteration. And I'm finally with a podcast network. And so that's exciting. You'll get this. When I realized what happened with the interviews, I didn't transfer them over. I didn't know to do that, whatever. And they were gone. Doing the solo episodes did not grow me at all. Because that's like my thing. No, no, but let me tell you what's going to grow me. No, just because I normally do solo episodes. I'm, I'm 80% solo episodes. But let me, damn it. This is what I already do. (laughs) No, but let me tell you what is going to grow me. And I've already had to do it twice. Going back to those people and saying, guess what, Judy? You know that hour and a half you spent and you invested in my podcast? Yeah. Well, I (gasps) fucked up big time. And not only is it not going to air, if you want to be on my show, you have to come back and do the whole thing all over again. Like that's (laughs) what's going to grow me some cojones because I feel awful about it. I'm so, I'm embarrassed. On one hand, I'm like, obviously, truly it happened. It was supposed to happen. And those episodes were not supposed to air. I really believe that. But as you know, that's going to be a huge growth area for me. I already approached two people and they were super kind. One of them just wrote back, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's going to be interesting. But yeah, I've made so many mistakes and we're the same age. So I'm turning 50 in November and I started this podcast at 49. Happy birthday. That's so exciting. Thank you. And I started this podcast at 49 and I know what it's like to start something later, which 49 is still young, but you know what I'm saying. It's not a typical time to reinvent yourself for most people. Right. And what I say when you talked about messy progress, I say just prepare and be okay with with sucking. Like let's start normalizing sucking at things. Like just being bad at it and not just not perfect, but being bad at it. And it's okay. I was just messaging, you know, Angie Lee probably. Uh, Yes. I was Mm -hmm. just messaging her on the way here as I'm running late for your interview. And I said to her, you know, it's so funny because when I started this podcast, I didn't just not know what I was doing. I was like you were with singing where I was so terrified to do this and it was so uncomfortable. But you and I both know this, pushing through and doing that consistently twice a week for a year, that has grown me. Even if I stopped the podcast today, into a completely different woman as your singing experience did. Yeah, yeah. And I would even say you could take that further. You know, you could say, how am I going to really reframe these words? Like suck at it, like be bad at it. You know, Uh, can I reframe that into, oh, I'm going to make messy progress, but it's progress. And that's damn good, you know? And I've gotten super, super conscious about the words I use. And if I notice myself putting a negative word on there, I immediately kind of stop and I go, how can I switch that around? How can I, because I think that the universe, and I bet you do too, is always listening. And just sometimes I'll hear that word suck or bad. And Mm, and we're saying it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're saying it to ourselves. And so I uh, work hard to get really conscious of that. Even like, for instance, like my debt. I have some debt right now. And so I'm like, "Mm, I don't like saying debt. So how can I change that around? So I'm like, fine, I'll talk about surplus. I'm talking about working towards surplus. I'm Mm. talking about financial change. I'm talking about, you know, just some 
interesting little shifts that we can make that I really believe those little bitty things can truly add up. And I don't think it's denial. I don't think it's like being all um, not really in tune with reality. Yeah. I think it's a way of shifting that betters our reality. Mm-hmm. Before yeah. we move on, I do have a question. So they were telling you to sing for a reason. So clearly they knew you had a nice voice. Like what, what was scary to you about it? The idea of singing in front of people, because you said you had never sang in front of people. I have a daughter who has a beautiful voice and she won't sing in front of anybody. It terrifies her. Her voice is so beautiful. How old is she? She's 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought I sounded like shit. I mean, I think that's- Oh, you really did. You really did think you sounded bad. Okay. A hundred percent. Oh my goodness. I remember playing in someone's backyard like real early on and I had to fill in for our regular singer. And I was playing guitar at the same time, which is, you know, a little hard to do. But even so, I would do some songs and I and I didn't. And I didn't really know the technique. I didn't know how to sing, which is part of the issue. You think you're just going to be good at it right off the bat, like talking or something. And then I remember listening back at one point to something and I was just horrified. (laughs) I was like, this is unlistenable to the human ear. And I don't know, I had to really learn the techniques to gain the confidence to believe that I sounded okay. And it took a little time. Okay. So how about this? So did you, obviously you, you know, work to the instrument of your voice, right? But you can't change your voice. So did your voice actually change at all? Or did you finally allow yourself to receive the compliment that actually I don't quote unquote suck as we just talked about. I sound pretty good. I mean, I'm getting good feedback. Like is, was that growth in you? I can't imagine it was just the transformation of your voice. That's a good question. It's almost like if I had this mentality, then could I have accepted how I sounded? Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. Yeah. I think that probably I was a lot better than I thought. And I think that we are just too hard on ourselves most of the time, probably 98% of the time, maybe a hundred. And so, yeah, I think I was way too hard on myself because as I've gotten more confident with it, I've also grown in my own self-love, worthiness, confidence. And I was lacking those things at that time, for sure, even Mm -hmm. at that age, Mm -hmm. which is you know pretty sad to say, but true. And that's just been part of my journey. So, yeah, I think I probably didn't really suck, you know, but did my voice change? It has gotten stronger. And now I have developed muscle memory. It's like going to the gym. It's like your form's not going to be great the first few times you work out, you know? And then those muscles, as you do it properly, those muscles get stronger in the right ways. And then you can just you know, like riding a bike. You just can, oh yeah, I need to stretch out the back of my throat. I need to breathe from the bottom. I need to lift a little bit. You know, you just develop these little techniques and then my voice has improved. Absolutely. But did I sound as bad as I thought I didn't know? <laughs> so it's yeah. a combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Combo answer. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. I mean, really, I know you're so used to sharing that story and it's your story, but hearing it for the first time, I mean, it's real. I bet people listening are feeling the way I'm too right now. Like, that's a big deal. It is like, a big deal. Terrifying, exposed. Don't even think I sound good, let alone great. And I'm going to do this in front of a bunch of people. I don't know. I, that's pretty amazing. And then you kept doing you know, it and kept doing it. Kept doing it and kept doing it. And now, you know, I have to just remember where I'm coming from and that I have these skills and techniques no matter what you're doing. And 
I haven't sang in public in quite some time. And I mean, I talk in public all the time, but I haven't sang. And just as soon as we wrap this, I'm running to my producers. He's going to play with me on Saturday. My drummer and band partner passed away last year, unfortunately, Mm. very suddenly. And so we're doing a memorial for him on Saturday and I'm doing a short set and I'm like, oh shit, you know, (laughs) a little like, thank God I have a guitar player with me because if I had to play and sing, I'm like rusty. And there was some angst. And I was like, I know my boyfriend's going to want to record me. And how am I going to sound on an iPhone? You know, all this stuff starts running through your head. And I'm like, no, you know what? Just own it. Own it. Own it. Find that comp, whatever it is, just own it. And I'm talking to myself right now. (laughs) And so I just got to really remember all those little things like owning owning it. Uh, I'm glad you asked me that question because we think we suck way more than we actually do. So yeah. can I can I approach this and really be like, hey, I'm doing fucking great. You're kicking ass. You're not sucking. You're kicking fucking ass because you're up here inspiring people and you're doing your podcast, you know? So there you go. Yeah. And I want to acknowledge what you shared too. I'm sorry uh, for your loss of your friend and oh, your, you know, God, and you know, he's going to be you. there with you. He's going to be so proud of you as you're singing and getting uncomfortable in his honor. I mean, that that energy alone is going to make you sound amazing. Yeah. It's just, death is weird. Yeah. Death is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. Appreciate that. It still hits me, you know, like that's, that's just part of life. Amy, I still have not lost someone really close to me. Like I haven't. I know it's so hard when it happens, but I haven't. You Your know, parents when I was, are still around. My parents are around. When I was young, of course, I lost grandparents, and but sure. but no one. Well, my I shouldn't say that. My friend's husband passed away very suddenly two years ago, and so that was my first experience. Ooh. I shouldn't say that. I, that was a big one, and he was a friend. Yeah, both my parents have passed away, and I would say those were incredibly transformative experiences as well. It happened when I was 32 and 39. Oh, you were so young. And so, and those were both really transformative times in my life because my mom died and I had a baby at the same time. And then I got my first divorce. And so, and I broke my leg really bad. I mean, it was just this like storm of stuff and it was a lot to process. And so it just forces you to grow because you have to, deal with it somehow, right? The grief and everything. And then when my dad died again, I, you know, had another really transformative time. When my second daughter was really young and those are big ones, but then you kind of expect those in some regard, you know, maybe I didn't expect them that young, but when friends start passing away, then you're like, oh, what the hell is going on? You know? Yeah. This is my first, I think, really close friend that I'm just so used to having around. And now I still go, what? Yates isn't here. You know, it's just, it's very strange. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel you on that. You know, I guess if someone's listening to this and thinking about how to get through that, I don't know that there is a good way to get through it. You just try to accept your grief and accept that it comes in waves and, you know, reach out to someone if you're feeling it because Mm -hmm. people want to help and people want to be there. Yeah. When you're talking about confidence, I thought of something immediately I want to share with you. So I've shared this story with a few friends and with my husband, but I don't, I've never talked about it on the podcast. Ooh. And I love this example. So, and this isn't going to be like earth shattering, this story, but, <laughs> but it's going to be something where I think you're going to go, oh yeah, yeah. So when you talked about confidence, it made me think of, and it's funny because you kind of look like her. 
years and years ago. So I have three children. I have five now because I'm remarried, but I have three children I've given birth to. And they were really little. And we were at the swimming pool, the local public swimming pool we belonged to, or we would go to. I might've been 30, something like that. And I just, I looked great, right? Great. Very confident in a bathing suit. There's a point to my telling you that. Very (laughs) confident in a bathing suit, not an issue with that, whatever. However, was I comfortable in my own skin as a person? Was I comfortable with my sexuality? Was I comfortable? No, 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 no. I had done no work. I'd never heard of the word trauma. I had not dealt with anything from my childhood. So we're at the pool and a young woman who I went to high school with was there visiting. She and her husband and kids had lived all over the world because of his job. And they had spent the last three years living in Brazil. Okay. I hadn't seen her since high school. And her name was Stephanie. And I was sitting on the lawn chair watching her. So I was just like, really, I'm about five, four and a half, you know, and my, my size and weight then was like a size two, maybe like very fit, very small person. Not that that's better, but I felt like it was. Mm-hmm. I looked over at her and she was in this string bikini. And I mean, like there was nothing. <laughs> she was hardly covered. And she had dimples and ripples and a juicy butt and big thighs, very, very small breasts. Okay. And I had always been very self-conscious of mine, very small breasts and had no, there was no padding in her suit. She didn't give two shits. And she was the hottest bitch I'd ever seen. I mean, I saw her get in the pool and I was like, what the, and it was her confidence. She was so comfortable in her skin. She like, I love telling the story because the jaw of every dad and husband at that pool dropped and there were 25 moms who looked quote unquote better according to society like me going, hello, what about me? But it was her confidence, just the way she got in the water, the way she got out of the water. And she wasn't getting out like on a commercial to try to please the men. She was just confident. She's throwing the football to her kids. She's playing. And I said to my husband, that's when I knew that it was an inside job. That's when I saw right there that technically, according to American standards, which are wrong, I was more beautiful and I had a quote unquote better body. And I didn't even come close to the beauty and the like hotness of that woman. Didn't even come close because I was so uncomfortable in my own skin and so insecure. Anyway, it made me think of that story when you said that about confidence. I love that. You're so right. And that's been a big journey for me too, because I've always beaten myself up about how my body looks. I've always like been like real conscious of fit and, and all that. Do I need to hide this? And how I look in a bathing suit and all that. So during the pandemic, I was like single and I thought, what if this is it? What if I only have myself? And so I started working on my self-love. I mean, and the whole shebang um, from sex with myself to looking in the mirror and saying, I love you and the whole thing. And I had never done that. And I'm still in those practices. Now they're second nature to me. I lay in bed when I wake up in the morning and tell myself, I love you. I look in the mirror and I say it. And here's the transformation that I've seen. So during the pandemic too, I was just home with my kids a lot and so by myself. And so I didn't go out and eat or drink much. And I just was exercising, walking, whatever. And I lost some weight and my body started looking better than it had in a really long time. 
And I was like, ooh. And so around the 4th of July, on the 4th of July last year, I took a bikini picture and I posted it on Instagram. And I was like, I'm feeling good, you guys. Anyway, I kept these self-love practices up. I met my my now partner in October of last year. And then as we've been together, I have kind of fallen off the wagon. Pandemic's over. I'm eating more, whatever. I love gained weight. All, love all weight. the weight back. Yeah. <laughs> I gained all the weight back plus some. And so uh, now my clothes are tight, whatever. And so cut to this July 4th. And I was like, I put that same bikini on and I looked in the mirror and I was like, I still look good. And I was like, I like it. So I did a post on Instagram. I took the same picture and I put a little slideshow and I was like, here I am now. And here I am then. And I'm feeling great. And people commented all over the place and they were like, I like you better now. Huh? You look better now. And it's been so interesting to gain weight, not beat myself up. Suddenly I'm in this self-love space. I look at myself in the mirror, which I have never done this until recently. And I go, damn. And, <laughs> and I think I look good. And just the other day, a friend of mine, Aaron Alexander, he is um, a body movement specialist and his body is insane. And he's from California and he's really well known. If you look him up, he's at Align Podcast and he's very body conscious. And the other day, Aaron, I saw him and he goes, every time I see you, you're more vibrant. And he was like, how's this happening? And I'm like, because I ain't getting any younger, you know, certainly not that. And I told him, I was like, Aaron, I literally work on it every day. I love myself. That's it. And I mean, it's not like my body's gotten better. I've totally fallen off the workout track, which I actually do hope to get back on just for health reasons. But anyway, so what? I'm still like, am I going to let myself right now? Because it's that conditional love. It's unconditional love. So if we really want to love ourselves unconditionally, that means right now, not when I fit in my jeans or when I think my ass is smooth in that bikini. You know, your friend was unconditionally loving herself in that moment. And somehow that shit shows. It shines out of you like a fucking beacon. And so just do it. And we hold ourselves back from that. Why? I don't fucking know. Because we think we have to, because we're women, because we want to please everybody, because I don't know. But we do. And I, you know, think Two of that intro that you so kindly gave me where you said triggering and you were like, that person's sexy. Like that woman probably triggered a lot of people. Like what the fuck? I'm over here busting my ass to be perfect, to get things done, to take care of my kids, to have them clean, to have my ass look good and you know whatever the fuck else. And here she is and we're triggered. And it's that unconditionally loving every part of yourself like she was, her sexuality, the roundedness of being a woman, the fullness of our experience. Can you not just worry about that mom thing, but uh, love this darker part of you, love this shadow, love this kink that you're into, love uh, the messiness, love where you're at this very moment, this very second. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Hey, fucking man. <laughs> yeah, and going back to that that woman, the other thing that's interesting about this is, so I had breast implants and she didn't. And there's no right or wrong here. But my point is she was like flat as a pancake and hotter than everybody else there. And I was like, 
wait a minute. Like, it's just our perception of ourselves and how we feel. You've heard that saying, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I'm who I think you think I am. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, so good. And I'm so glad it's funny, too. I want to also talk about, because you brought it up, you said you talked about implants. And here's what I'm learning as I'm getting older. I shouldn't say as I'm getting older. That's not true. I don't think it has anything to do with age. As I'm processing a lot of trauma from my childhood, you know, really finally dealing with things that I have been suppressing my whole life. And I did tons of mindset work and I was all about mindset and I'll coach you about this or that. And the truth is I was just riddled with trauma and didn't realize it. But as I'm processing all that and really learning about being in my body, et cetera, one thing I realized, Amy, is that I see you and like I'm envious. I will admit jealous, but I would say envious that you took the time now, let me be clear. It's okay if someone doesn't want to wear makeup and they don't want to do shit like then they shouldn't. And I actually barely, I hardly ever wear makeup, but I do feel really good when I have a little bit of makeup on and I, I just, I feel better, especially I will say as I'm getting a little older, but as I see you and I see you online and now offline, I would say that I realize that I don't take the time to do things for myself still coming from a place of unworthiness. It's not, oh, I just like to be more natural. I I tend to wear less makeup than other people, but that's not the truth. The fucking truth is that I don't love myself enough yet, I'm still working on it, to take the time for myself, to blow my hair out, to do things that I, to put an outfit on I'm excited about, to, I lost that part of me. I haven't done that in years, years. I would say seven, probably six or seven years. What's the worthiness piece of that? Okay, so for me, it wouldn't apply to someone else maybe, but for me, I want to do that. And I'm not taking time to do that because everything else matters more than me. Oh, I see. I see. Everything else is worth more than than your own time. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so like this morning, everything else mattered more than me getting ready and blowing my hair and just kind of being a little more in my book presentable to get on the Zoom with you. Not that you're judging me. You don't care. But my point is I wanted to, but I don't do that. Now, you know, I've talked about this on our show that if you feel like you're terrified to cut all your hair off because you're worried about what you'll look like or what people will think, you probably should do it. If you just don't like short hair and you don't give a shit, then don't cut your hair. So for me personally, taking time to put a little makeup on and blow my hair out, it's not necessary, but I actually want to do that. And so for me not doing that, that's like going against what you're talking about, which is loving yourself and really nurturing yourself and being in love with yourself. Am I, is that translating what I'm saying? Like it, you don't need to put makeup on to love yourself, but I feel better taking care of myself and doing things like that. And I've lo- I've stopped doing that. And I know why. We're not going to spend the next hour talking about me. But I know why. I'll come on your show and tell you about it. Um, Please do. I, th- that's a whole different story. But I, as I'm looking at you, I'm like, you know, you don't trigger me like you would have years ago. I would have been insecure. Like, oh, well, she's more beautiful. She's hotter. She's, I don't want my husband to see her. Like, I literally thought like that, Amy. I mean, I'm yeah. talking just a year ago. I would have not wanted my husband to see you on this podcast because I wouldn't want him to see someone that looked better than me. I am so not that person now. But what I do see that is, I wouldn't say trigger me, it's like an invitation. Like, Jill, what would it be like if you 
took time to exercise and you took time to, like I just said to my daughters last night, I'm like, you know, I think I've been a little judgy towards women that do like Botox and things like that. I, to tell you the truth, I kind of want to do a little. I think I want to do a little something to my lips and just see what it looks like. And my daughter's like, good for you, mom. Yeah. Do it. You know? Mm-hmm. So anyway. I love that you said that be in love with yourself part. Because if you truly are in love with yourself, then you're not going to feel threatened in those situations, I think. And I'm not saying I don't get triggered because I do. But I think that I've just shifted that into a real awareness. And like the moment that you feel that, okay, what is that telling me? What's going on? And I've I've been doing that practice for a long time. But the love part of it, it's two little pieces, right? Pay attention to those triggers and do that self-love practice thing. And I like that I said the word practice because it is all a practice. It's not like you're going to just do it all of a sudden. Give yourself a little space. Love yourself enough to give yourself that space, Mm. right? And then you just take the practices. Like, because I personally suffer from ruminating thoughts. That has been a struggle of mine. I tend to beat myself up. And neuroscience shows us that when we ruminate, when we think the same thoughts, our neural pathways begin to get a groove in our brain. And so it is just a little path that's easy to walk down. It's like the path that's worn through the forest. That's what's going on in our brain. So you're walking down the same path. So you fall asleep and you're thinking the same bullshit thoughts that you're not good enough, that you fucked up as a mom that you are unlovable because of X, Y, Z. Fill in the blank, right? And so for me, at the same time that the pandemic started, I started some psychedelic therapy. And it, I think, fundamentally changed some of my brain. And I was able to wipe down those neural pathways because a lot of times that's what it does. Personally, for me, I did ketamine therapy in a doctor's office with a paramedic there. It is intense. If you're curious about it, it is intense, but you're fine. (laughs) You come out, okay. Yeah, I didn't get committed to a mental institution, thank God. And so I noticed the very next day after the first one, and I did it because she was a guest on my show and I wanted to just experience it to have an intelligent conversation with her. Uh, Her name's Allie Waddell. And so I did it to try it. And then I noticed the very next day, all of a sudden I had a thought that I'd never thought before. I had been dating someone off and on in the past with a drug addiction. And I thought some thoughts about that, that I was like, why have I never thought that? And it was just because I had been in my own worthiness thing and wrapped up in those negative neural ruminations. And so suddenly it was like, I said that it was like there was a layer of sand and I had been tracing a circle in the sand. Yes, And it was if someone came up and just blew the sand away, (sighs) gone. And I was able to think new thoughts. So I progressed through... Last year, 2020, I did a series of six of those and I spread them out pretty far, like about six weeks because my mental issue wasn't terribly debilitating. And I gave myself plenty of time to integrate and to really notice the difference that I was getting. And sure enough, 
it made such a difference in my brain patterns. And now when I fall asleep at night, I've noticed that I fall asleep in a space of self-love. I just repeat to myself, I love you. I love myself. I love you, Amy. Life loves me. If someone listening hears that and thinks, huh, really? When was the last time you said that to yourself? It should be today. You should be able to be like, it was just a little while ago. And so can you start to incorporate that practice into your life? Even without any psychedelic therapy or something, you can wear new grooves into your brain where they are based in self-love. And even if you don't believe it right now, who fucking cares? Just do it anyway, because it'll sink in. You'll start to love yourself. You'll start to want to fall in love with yourself. You'll start to be like, how can I treat myself a little bit better today? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll try the Botox. Who cares? Am I coming from a place of judgment? Is that triggering me? Do I think I'm better because I don't get it? You can like delve into some very interesting spaces too, where you're like, okay, am I really not judging? Do I, I like to think of myself as a non-judgmental person? And then I go, oh, well, shit, I'm judging right there. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know the truth for me? If I'm completely raw and vulnerable, I'm going to tell you. Yes. The reason that I have this, I have had this resistance towards doing any kind of like, I've never once done Botox, filler. I don't even know how any of that works. I've had two facials in my life. I don't. I've done it all. I can tell you. (laughs) Yeah. But let me tell you though, you know what I really think it is? I think it's all ego because if you can look at someone who injects their face with a bunch of shit and say, oh, well, they're insecure and um, they're trying to fit in and they're da, da, da. They don't love themselves enough to age gracefully. I'm going to tell you for me, like I'm realizing this as I'm talking to you right now, that me not doing that stuff is because I have this major hang up with other people getting credit for my work. So if I have even a few little injections in my face and I meet you for the first time in November when I come to Austin and your boyfriend says, Jill, you look really good for your age. I can't take that compliment because I didn't do it myself. Isn't that crazy? But that's, I don't know that's what it is. It's like I'm selling out and that I wouldn't be able to really receive someone saying, you look healthy or you look great for 50 because I feel like I cheated the system. Uh, I mean, it's just so ridiculous, but it's or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I, like I've cheated and that I don't want the person who gave me the injection to get the credit if someone knows I did it. So if you say, let's say the three of us are good friends, Sky, and then all of us go together to dinner. And your boyfriend says, what? You're 50. You look really good for your age. And Sky says, Hey, she just did Botox for the first time. <laughs> then I would be like, don't give the credit to Botox. I get the credit. You see, it's just deep insecurity. It's all fear. It's all of it is, right? Whether we're judging someone for doing it or we're not doing it for that reason. Obviously, some people just don't want to do it and they don't care. But I'm the person who's afraid to, I'm not afraid to cut all my hair off. I'm not afraid to get messy and uncomfortable. I'm not afraid to expose myself. I'm not afraid to say personal things about myself and about my story on a podcast or or whatever. But I've never done anything like that to my face as I'm aging, even though I actually want to. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. And I mean, what is the fear of? Is it that you are going to be judged or is it like, is there something underneath there that's that ego base that's like, oh, this makes me a little bit better because I, I look great and I did it all myself. Yes. You know? 
Yeah. Yeah. So there's that, "Mm, I'm better because I did this. And so that's that feeding that deep insecurity, right? Oh, for sure. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. That's very interesting to explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done it all. I've done it all. In fact, I'm going tomorrow to get some more. <laughs> I love that. Um, I love and that. I like it. It, may, it gives me more confidence. I feel better. I feel like when I look in the mirror, I look a little more like I feel. Yeah. Know? And I, I just, because I, I feel really good most of the time. I mean, sometimes you wake up and you're like, my knees are creaking or whatever, but that's just part of age. And I don't know. I just feel better. I just look in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I can tackle the world a little bit, a little bit better, but I've gotten over that a long time ago. I think it was ingrained in me from my mother. And I think that a lot of times we can look back on our parents and see their attitudes and how that fed us. My mom got a facelift at 50, which she was a little older. So that was like in the eighties, she had breast implants I mean, she was a lovely, elegant woman and she wasn't particularly vain, but she did care about how she looked. And I think good and bad that rubbed off on me. And I think my grandmother did too. She didn't get a lot of work done because I didn't really have it back then, but she cared about her weight and things like that, which those have had some negative effects on me. But at the same time, I think it affects your attitudes going forward. So, you know, there's other factors at play too. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of hypocrites out there like me. Because if you look, we're on Zoom, everybody. She can see me and you can't. But like, so I'm 80% gray and my hairstylist dared to have her baby early. And so I have not had my hair colored and it's like, it really needs to be done. So here I have no problem covering up my gray. I just had lashes put on the other day by my daughter. She's yeah, a lash they look artist. Great, by the way. Thank I you. I normally don't have them and I love them. Yeah. So what's the difference? Yeah, that's the point. There is no difference. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just how we just have this little book, this tally book. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this is okay. This is not okay. This is okay. This, this one falls past okay. that line. This one's okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I oh know. Because we're all probably doing something, you know, Hello. like even when it comes down to it and you are, and that's so good for you to pay attention to. You can go, why am I drawing these arbitrary lines? Like what? You can't stick a needle in my face. Okay. There's my line. Why? Yeah. Why? You Who know? said, I said on one of our episodes, unless you're walking into the grocery store every day, naked, you're doing something for your parents. <laughs> because if you really don't give a shit what people think, right? Of course, you're not going to walk around in your pajamas or naked. So everybody is doing something on some level, but we all just judge each other. We've got these levels of the hierarchy. Oh, it's so interesting. That's right. And it's a really, really good invitation to pay attention to our judgments. I, I look at everything like that. I'm like, uh, here we go. That's a really great invitation. Even when I see somebody and I'm like, dude, take care of yourself or whatever it is. You know, I'm like, mm, nope, that's an invitation to drop my judgment. And that person is on their path. I'm on my path. You do your thing. And I'm able to do mine. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's a great growth strategy. How can you just look at it? I'm all about a reframe, you know? And so how can you look at it as a way to to grow, to say, oh, good. Now I have the ability to drop a new judgment. Yay, lucky me. It's so interesting. A guy I know a year ago on Facebook, really nice guy. I mean, he's not a dick. He's going to sound like him, but he's not a really nice guy. But he's super, super fit. And he's probably 52, 53, very, very fit. And he put on Facebook, it was a pretty shaming post about the whole dad bod thing and said, give me an effing break. You know, you guys out there who aren't in shape, it glorifying the dad bod, I don't think so. There's no reason you can't hit the gym and da, da, da. And he went on, 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 on. Meanwhile, so my husband, he would 
absolutely be okay with me saying this. He's very open about this. That's been a struggle for him. Meanwhile, he's hugely successful in business, way more successful than this other guy. Now, you know, success isn't just about like the money you have, but it's, it's what my husband's grown and what he's done is remarkable. This guy, not so much. And so I commented and I said, Hey, I'll call him Joe. I'll call him Dick. Hey, Dick. Uh, <laughs> but I just said, Hey, it's interesting your post because as you're shaming men who aren't as fit as you and don't take time to work out like that, you know, there are other people who could say that about other areas of one's life whether it's their spirituality or their success or their finances or whatever. So unless you've got all of it together, probably not a good idea to be posting this, you know? Mm -hmm. So it just goes back to that, how we're all judging each other. It sure does. I mean, that's so much of the symptom. And then you are able to look underneath and go, oh shit, what am I really doing here? What's underneath this? Like with you, it's these other interesting things that are like the fear or whatever. And then you're like, oh shit, that's I, my own worthiness is at the root of this, which when we get down to it so much, that's pretty much what it's about all the time. It's our own self-love. So I just considered that a really basic way to start. And I was like, I haven't worked on this. I haven't really taken the time to work on this. That's what I felt like during the pandemic. So I was like, fine, I will. I keep hearing about it. (laughs) Do you have like a a self-love practice? It's so interesting you're asking that because in 20 years of being in therapy, tons of personal development courses, mindset work up the wazoo, no one had ever asked me, do you love yourself? Until I had a coach that I hired, Kayla Craft, a year ago. No one had ever asked me that question. I was like, what, what? She's, and she's like, oh, okay. I guess I know the answer. I had never asked myself that question. I had never told myself, I love you. I had never done inner child work or even heard of that. I had never done anything in the mirror other than cry or critique myself. I was going to say or beat yourself up probably. Yeah. And yeah. So she was the first person she introduced me to mirror work. And to self-love and inner child work. So I would say only for a year. And my practice is, it's funny that you you said a little bit ago, you said, you know, Jill, it's a practice for a reason. They call it a practice for a reason. I have fallen off with that the way you feel like you have fallen off with exercise. And there is some muscle memory there still. So I'm not where I used to be. I mean, I don't know what's happening as I'm approaching my 50th birthday, but something huge is happening. Like I could just feel the shift in me. And I just said to my husband last night, after this 100th episode, I just feel, because I'm going down one episode a week, I just finished a program I was in, I feel myself slowing down. And one of the things that I know I'm supposed to focus on is going back just to loving myself. So it's funny that you asked me that. What is yours? Your practice? I was going to tell you too, just on the heels of what you said, uh, there's a book called You've probably read it, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It by Kamal Ravikant. And it's great because it chronicles his self-love practice and him falling off, how his shit went to shit. Because he's like, you can coast for a while, but then you can't. And so you might have been in coast mode and then you have to really pay attention to it and then get back into it. And so I have adapted some of his practices, which are very, very simple. But my practice is... Every day I look in the mirror. I'm a Reiki master as well. And oh, wow. just kind of more for myself and because I enjoy it. I did that a couple years ago. So every day I look in the mirror and I just give myself a smile. I look myself in the eyes. I tell myself, I love you. And sometimes I hug myself. 
just kind of depends. And a lot of times I look like I just rolled out of bed. It doesn't matter what you look like. Just say it. Hey, I love you. You are kicking ass. You are doing great. And so I modified the Reiki mantra because it had some words in there that were kind of negative and like, I will not anger. And I was like, no, 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 no. And so I shifted those around. So I say, just for today, just for today, it's good that you just take it in little pieces just for today. Okay. I am at peace just for today. I will work easy just for today. I show appreciation and gratitude just for today. I'm kind to all living things, including myself. Mm. And so that's just a reminder. I still have moments that I'm not kind to myself, but I just try to watch those closer. And then throughout the day, I try to be kind to myself in the mirror. Kamal in that book does five minutes of self-love mirror work where he just sits and stares at himself closely in the mirror. And so I try to do that when I can. Sometimes it's just a few minutes do it in your car. I remember one of the first times I did it, and it wasn't that long ago. It was in the, within the last year, and I did that in my car. And I started crying. And I was shocked. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I have not given myself this gift. And it's uncomfortable and weird because you're like, what if someone saw me? <laughs> but it should be normalized. Like We should be teaching our children this. And so I do try to model it to my children and my boyfriend too. I'm like constantly telling him, I'm like, have you told yourself you loved yourself today? Or when was that? And he's like, yes. And sometimes we'll say, I love you to each other. And then we'll force each other to say it to ourselves and remind ourselves that we matter, that we're a priority. And I have a TikTok that I've been developing and it's called the magic babe. And I share a lot of this kind of just little little practices and little good habits and self-love stuff on there. And I shared something about a self-love practice. And one person commented and he was like, I love everyone, but me, myself, I don't matter. And I was just like, Mm. oh, that stabs me in the heart. I was like, dude, you do matter. You do matter. And part of it too, is this giant paradox that everything is, I'm discovering everything is a giant paradox. And it's that people aren't going to be able to truly love you and you're not going to be able to receive it unless you love yourself first and you really truly come from that. And I know you've probably heard this like broken record. You've probably heard it a million times, but it's true. (laughs) So allow me to reiterate. (laughs) And it needs to be, right? It needs to be repeated for a reason. And that person you're talking about who commented, when you said that, I thought to myself, you think you love everybody else. If you don't love yourself, you have no idea the capacity of love because you know this, Amy. When you really decide to love yourself, you love people in a completely different way. It is not the same type of love. It just can't be. You're looking through a completely different lens now. And it's just, it feels different. It lands different for them. And it's just crazy, isn't it? That we can go, for me, it was 49 years. Yeah, Never even thinking about that. At least we did it then. I know. (laughs) And you're right. Even with our children, I have had habits of beating myself up as a mother and thinking that I'm never doing enough. And so many people do, right? And so I shifted that and I was like, I have to get in the mindset that I'm an awesome mom. And, you know, that little bit of like, oh, come on, Amy, that's not reality. You're not doing, no, no, block that shit out. Tell yourself, I'm doing enough. I'm killing it at the mom game. So you just have to 
continually build that practice. And that's part of loving yourself, like loving yourself. Like I am the mom I was designed to be. I am killing it at the mom game. I am doing it. I'm doing a great job. I love my children. And just unconditionally loving yourself in that way is going to make you a better mom because you feel like you're doing enough because you're really present for your kids because you're showing up and you're in a space of love because that other stuff, it shows. And it also shows them how to be. Which one are you going to show them? hundred mm, percent. I've talked about this openly on this show that I have spent, I mean, Amy, decades <laughs> believing, <I hear> you. <laughs> believing that not just that I'm not a good mom, that I've completely screwed up and thinking that I just need a do-over. If I could just have a do-over, I would do it differently. You know, I mean, just the pain that that's caused me. And you're so right that if I, if I live through that, I mean, that's, what is that doing to them? I hear you because I divorced both their dads. I left. I left their dads. They know that. And they have to go between two houses. They have the pain in the ass of not all their stuff in one place. They blame me, essentially, a lot of times for it. They'll say that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how are we going to deal with this? I love you, babe. So let's let's figure it out. And mm. this is the reality of the situation. And they've asked me about the divorces and stuff. And I approach it as honestly as I can, but in a very gentle way. And I'm very careful to never say anything negative about either of their fathers. So yeah, you know what? I'm like, great. Did I just fuck up my kids for the rest of their lives <laughs> in my own special way? And so, uh, which we might be, but you know what? I just have to believe that I am doing the best I can. And I am doing a good job as a mom. And so much of being a parent is just being present and listening to them talk. I mean, like, just sit there and like let them talk and, you know, just maybe making some boundaries and time off your phone and let's connect just a little bit. And like my little one, she just loves to talk about whatever she's watching or is going on and she'll get really animated and engaged. And then you really realize that's, hey, that's quality time. She just told me the entire plot of Squid Game. Great. You know, (laughs) and now I'm watching Squid Game so I can connect with her about that. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to watch it, which by the way, it's totally wild. And so now I texted her last night. She was at her dad's and I'm like, hey, I'm watching. This is my 12-year-old, which... People are probably horrified that I let her watch Squid Game, but I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what Squid Game is. (laughs) My youngest is turning 17. It's it's brutal. It's brutal. It's kind of like Hunger Games-esque, but more brutal. Um, Oh, anyway. I just heard about this. My my son, who's turning 17, just told me about it. (laughs) Yes. He said it's like Hunger Games, but more brutal. Oh my God. He said the same thing. This is like two days ago. That's what he was talking about. So, you know what? You can watch that. You can connect with them. You can get them to play. It just, but it, anyway, it's about being present. And really, that's what it boils down to. You know, just, just be present. In the moments that you have, show the fuck up. And here's the thing. You know that every mom, we all have the same story, but we have different versions of our wounds, right? So you saying, Jill, it's just about being present. Here's what that was to me. <gasps> because I was never present. So my whole hang up is that I wasn't present for so long and I know why I wasn't. I know that I was doing the best I can. But as you said, today, I have to decide today, which I just did. I think it's been two years now that I finally decided I'm a good mom, that I did what you did. I decided, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. It's almost pathetic, but I had to rewire my brain and tell myself, which felt like a lie, writing every day. I'm an exceptional mother. I'm an exceptional yeah. mother. My kids love me. My kids love me. I'm a great mom. And then I filled my space with 
anything they had made me when they were little and any letter from them, even when they were like five, you know, that said, you're the best mom. I put that all over my office and I bathed in that for two years, for two years. That's beautiful. And, and honestly, for anyone listening, it does work what Amy is saying. Because I could list all the things I've done wrong and all the things I just did two days ago that I wish I wouldn't have done. But the underlying feeling isn't that I'm a bad mom anymore at all. I don't feel that anymore at all. It it really does work. But we all do that to ourselves, don't we? We do. And you know what? If you want to take those things and list them off that, that you did wrong or whatever, go ahead, write them down, and then look at them from a lens of gratitude and go, yes, thank God. I see that. Thank God I'm aware of it. Thank God I'm like, thank thank you. Ah, thank you, me. Thank you, me, for realizing this now and being shown this. And now I know all I have to do is like show up. All I have to do is think about love. All I have to do is really love them and love myself unconditionally because it shows them it's possible. It shows them how to be, shows them how to love. So, you know, can you just shift that shit around to where you're like, not regretting, but rather, I'm so grateful to be shown that. Yay! Because mm-hmm. now I'm gonna now I'm gonna do better. And for me, I'm this experiential person, so I kind of have to do it in order to know. So maybe you're like that, you know? Maybe you're like, oh, great! Thank God I gave myself this gift of experiencing it because now I know, and mm. that's what I needed. I decided I'm buying you a T-shirt that says "Queen of the Reframe." <laughs> yes, I am. I'm, you are. I'm like on my TikTok. I'm like, here's a seven second reframe. Like, and I just share these little blurbs where I'm like, okay, how can we shift it around? You know, because why not? Nobody's giving out awards for beating yourself up. Nobody's giving out awards for wallowing in the bullshit that you think you did wrong. Just reframe that shit. Mm. Be grateful for it. You know. Yes. Like shit around, make it suit you, make it serve you, make it make you better, make it give you better practices, better habits, use it. Mm. So I want to make sure if I don't get to have you on for another year, what is something else you want to share with all these women listening about reframing, about being 49 and reinventing yourself, anything that you have learned in this leg of your journey? Oh, so much. And so much that I already shared. And I I think there's a big part of it, just staying in that awareness that it's all a practice. So don't be too hard on yourself. It's okay. And I've been surprised in the last year since I started doing all this work. I used to have to sort of write it down to remember. And now it's become second nature. And that's been really nice. They develop into habits. So just trust that even if you have to write down Oh my God. Okay. I got to remember to say nice things to myself in the mirror and then, you know, be present or whatever. Write them down. Who cares? But they're going to get instilled in you. They're going to build into habits because a little, little bit every single day adds up, period. And then pretty soon you're like, just looking in the mirror and you're like, damn, you know, and you're like, yes, I'll wear this or yes, I love you. I love you. I love you, Amy, or I love you, Jill, you know? And I think, you know, just to bounce off of the BU-ness of this podcast, it's deceptively simple, right? To be you, to be the best you. It sounds like it should be easy and it should be, but instead we make it harder than it is. So I'm all about those little bitty steps to get us to a just slightly better version because you grow 1% today by the end of the year, you're 
37 times better. So I did write down just a very simple to end with just five, like be you and grow simple things to implement. And one of them, of course, is that self-love practice. Like, can you find that self-love practice? Just implement it the best you can, because that really allows some growth that we don't even see coming. So that simple that we covered, my practice is, of course, just looking in the mirror. Also, adopting that beginner mentality with whatever we do, approaching it from humility, beauty, humor, and not getting too caught up in our age. Also, one thing that I've started to approach my social media with, and I know we can get caught up in that or whatever you're building, just approaching it from a space of how can I add value today? That's something I've started to write down to myself to build a new habit of really approaching it, not from like, oh, fuck, I got to do this. Nah, you know what? How can I add value? How can I share something today that's really going to add value to whoever sees it, right? Pretty simple and gets you out of this comparison and stuckness because if we're not adding value or growing, we're stagnant or contracting. So it's just a new approach for me that I wanted to share with people today. Another one is that gratitude practice. Shift everything around into a space of gratitude. And if people don't have a gratitude practice, I would encourage you to just write down five things every day that you're grateful for. And I think that's a beautiful thing and it's surprising. And you can also do it from a future perspective and say, okay, if I had this already, let's say, I don't know, 25,000 downloads per episode or whatever you've got whatever you're building toward 100,000 per episode or something. If How would I feel like in allowing yourself to sit in that space for a moment of that gratitude already? If I'm a great or something simpler, if I was a great mom, how would I feel? You write down, I'm grateful for being a great mom. And then you just allow yourself to feel that because that's where it manifests from truly being it right now. And then finally, just allowing yourself some time in quiet every day. I would just encourage people to continue to build that and It doesn't matter if it's two minutes, you know, just sitting, being quiet, just letting your mind settle for a couple minutes a day. Even if you uh, hold on to a mantra or an affirmation, like I love myself, repeat it, you know, 40 times. I don't know. Don't count. Just do it for five minutes until the phone bings, right? So set a timer and you can just do it for a few minutes. So, So those are just some very simple practices. And I'm happy to put those in a PDF form for your listeners. I would love to offer them that. And I think like as a bonus, you were running a couple minutes late when we got here and I was sitting here waiting and I just used that time to really set an intention today. And so just where can we find those spaces to get more intentional about everything that we're doing? And that's what I did today. I just used that time to be like, all right, what's my intention? To add value, (laughs) to add value to your listeners. My intention was to use my voice to impact someone. And hopefully, hopefully that happened today. You absolutely did, Amy. Thank you so much. And thank you for for spending so much time with us today. And it it really is a big deal. And this is our first episode of what I feel like is the second half. And I'm so glad it was you. I really am. Just the next chapter. Yes, the next chapter. So I know how to find you. And I love, by the way, when you do your meditations, I would love to invite people to do that with you. You know what? I've been shifting those because they weren't growing and I felt like it wasn't a growth spot. So I'm like, okay, how can I, how can I add value in a new way? So I'm trying to convert them into some reels that are like minute, minute meditations and things Mm. like that. So thank you for saying that there are a ton of meditations with me on my IGTV at Real Amy Edwards on Instagram. Yeah. So Real Amy Edwards on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then what is your TikTok? Oh, my TikTok's the magic babe. And then 
of course, I would love to direct people to my show, the Amy yes. Edwards show. If you forget those, that's the one place that you can always find me. And just like you, Jill, I'm just excited to lift the voices. I would love to have you on sometime. I'm excited to lift the voices of people that help me learn to be better all the time, to hone my practices, to just keep leveling up and making life fucking rock because that's what it's all about to me anyway. And that continual growth and like, how can we become more vibrant every day? How we, can we get the Aaron Alexanders of the world to be like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> yes. So, yes. So keep that up. So it's the Amy Edwards show. I just put out uh, recently a really fantastic episode with Rada Wepner. She is the partner spouse of East Forest. If you're familiar with the music artist East Forest, and she got her name Rada from Ram Das. He gave her the name and she just talks about being a walking meditation essentially and what yoga is really for. So mm. I'll direct people to that episode. It's really awesome. And oh, they all are. I'm going to listen to that today. And, and that's true though. Yeah, I will, let me say that you. to everyone. I really enjoy your podcast. Thank you. And I'm, very thank picky. You so much. I'm very selective with my time. I'm very protective of my energy and I do not follow things that people tell me to follow just because they tell me to. It's just not how I live right. my life. And I, I <laughs> genuinely, genuinely enjoy your show. Thank um, you. So, yeah, Thank I really you do. So much. And so I'm excited for people to listen. Well, again, it's, it's available on all platforms. So everyone can find it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you listen. And yeah, Amy Edwards Show. All right. We'll put links everywhere. Thank you so much, Amy. I Thank can't wait you. to see you in person when I come to Austin. Oh, you better come do my show in I person, will. please. I would love that. Let's get a time for sure. So thank you so much for taking the time to uh, help me share my voice and hopefully continue to add value. And I know you will too. And I'm just wishing you all the love and light and just self-love the shit out of that, Jill. <laughs> <laughs>